0: This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Well, guys, it's been almost one year since our transition. And maybe I'm biased, but I feel like the Lord has been with us. More importantly, I feel like we have been with the Lord. Would y'all agree with that? We've begun... um, We've begun pursuing the vision that God has given us, that that I gave last January, to make and grow followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. Everybody understand that? To make and grow and equip, make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose. I gave you three pillars. What are the three pillars of that vision? Uh Uh-huh. Community, discipleship, and outreach. And we began pursuing those three areas and um, in, in everything that we did, we started evaluating everything that we were doing in the year of 2019, and we were determining how it fell in line with those three aspects of the vision. So how many of you this year, how many of you are reading the Life Application Study Bible with us this year, reading it through from cover to cover? Well, I know there's a lot more than that. We have quite a bit of people still out of town today. We've got two days left. And... Let me tell you, as Nydia says, yay! Guys, the Life Application Bible is not a short thing. It's not just the length of the Bible. It's probably just as long in commentaries and everything else. But it's been incredible. But uh, but we went through and we have read from cover to cover through the Life Application. I think we had 40-some people, I think, that committed to read that together with us. This year, we covered topics in our sermons. We started with seasons, went into standing firm. We went through healing, our healing conference, communion. Uh, being the Hands and Feet of Jesus, Leading Others to Christ, Being All In. We did our summer movie series. We did a series on community, Better Together, Prime Time, God is Good, Ghost Stories about the Holy Spirit. Uh, we did one on giving, and we just finished the series, The Journey of Christmas. In 2019, how many of you enjoy getting together with Spirit Church and City Church? Love getting together with them. They're family. We had an awesome, how many of you were at the Unity service February of last year? We had an awesome Unity service at, uh, at City Church. We had a men's breakfast, we had an adult game night, we had a family camp out together. We had four nights of worship that were powerful. Our healing services were very fruitful. We saw breakthrough and freedom and healing in people's lives. As our Easter service was jam-packed, we had people who rededicated their life to Christ. We had more community groups this year than we've ever had before. Our family day and our trunk or treat were a raving success. People gave their lives to Christ, rededicated their lives to Christ. They came into alignment with Him. Our children's ministry, our youth ministry had multiple successful events. Some of you have told us you stepped out for the very first time and shared your faith. There's people now that are part of the body of Christ and a part of our church and other churches because you were obedient to what God had you to do. Through your giving, we've been able to pay down our building. We're able to give uh, and help people in our family and our church family with bills and cars and much more. your monetary gifts helped single parents this year to give Christmas gifts to their kids that they couldn't have done otherwise. And this is what I started mentioning. This year, as I mentioned before, we increased our giving to the ministries we support monthly to the highest amount ever. Uh, our local rescue missions, Warrior Center and Lighthouse mission, uh, to ARC, who's planting churches all over the U.S. and now internationally, the outpost of Freedom Mission Base, that's reaching Native Americans for Jesus, to Global Ministries and Relief, that is planting churches and Bible schools all over the world, and to Overland Missions who are going to the places that nobody else will go to bring the good news. And guys, just a few weeks ago, because of your faithful giving, because we had it to give and we felt the Lord led us to, we were able to send $1,000 to a ministry that was in need. And we sent it. We, yeah, absolutely. And we sent it as a seed, believing for our building and property to be paid off. How many of you are standing in agreement on that? So what's next? Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys. We are going to one-up. We're going to give more to the ministries that we're supporting monthly than we ever have before. And we're going to increase it, I believe, by more this year than we increased it last year. We are going to give and we're going to give and we're going to give and give until we every ear hears the name of Jesus. Amen? So you are making a difference. Our vision remains the same, but we're seeking the Lord. And what, what does that look like this year? Lord, what is it that you have for us How do you want us to pursue that vision? As Shauna mentioned, starting next Sunday, we're going to have corporate prayer through the through um, January, every each Sunday morning at 8.45. So we're gonna hold Sunday school until February. And so it's just gonna be corporate prayer. Guys, I don't know if you've ever gotten together for corporate prayer before. I don't know if you've ever been to a corporate prayer meeting. We're not gonna embarrass you, make you stand up, make you lead everybody in prayer, anything like that. We want you to come and we want you to be a part of that. And we're gonna have time for you to pray on your own. Everybody kind of separately, we're gonna have times that we pray kind of more together. And we're gonna pray, like Shauna said, for our individual lives, for our community, for our families. For our government, whatever else it may be, but we feel this is really important for us to kick off the year uh, with corporate prayer. Also, January sixth to twenty fifth, as she said, is going to be our twenty days of prayer and fasting. Encourage you to begin praying now uh, on what um, what it is that the Lord would have you to fast this year. And uh, how many of you know that prayer and fasting changes things? Prayer and fasting changes things, and so we're going to dig in on that uh, this year. But first thing I want to do. As I go into kind of the vision and what I believe the Lord has for us in pursuing the vision for the church this year, I want to tell you about a a dream I had. um, Is that last week? Last week or week before? I had a dream that um, we were meeting together. We've been meeting together some of the church at our house, and which we do on a regular basis. Some of you come over for different things and events and stuff like that. Um, And. I don't know if you've ever had the thought, but I certainly did, especially with Christmas this past week as we had my mom's side of the family over and had like almost 30 people crammed in our living room. And uh, it's just nuts. And so in this dream, I'm going, there's not enough room. We need more space. And we were spending all the time. We, we sometimes, we try to move from it. We, we got the Christmas decorations taken down on December 26th. I don't know if anybody is as quick and as inefficient as my wife is. Uh, but Christmas decorations are down December 26th, and she again has rearranged the room and trying to figure out how to make more space for more people to sit. So in this dream, I'm sitting here thinking, man, we just, we don't have enough room to do what we want to do. And I'm standing in the living room, and I look over, and there's a door I hadn't seen before in our living room. I was like, where did that come from? And I went over, and I opened up the door, and I stepped into another room. Guys, this room was bigger than our house. It was massive. It was gargantuan. It was bigger than the sanctuary. Massive room. And as I walked into the room, one side of it was screened in, and you could see outside, and it was beautiful. And there was a fireplace, a big, huge fireplace for keeping warm. And over on the other side, half the wall on the other side was open, and it had another massive patio that was open to the outside so people could come and go. And I recognized, I was like, we forgot about this room. This is We knew when we moved in, we were excited that this was here and that we would be able to utilize this. But we moved into the house and brought our stuff in, and we completely forgot about this massive space full of potential. That was right there off of our living room. That we could fit hundreds of people in. So I woke up from that and told Shauna. And I was like, what in the world? (laughs) How did we forget about this massive space? Guys, I started realizing something as I was digging in for this series. It kind of all came together. The body of Christ has something of huge unlimited potential that it oftentimes forgets about, and it's the Word of God. We love to focus on all kinds of other things. We love to focus on what God is doing in the earth. We love to focus on the latest Word from the Lord that somebody has for us, and that's awesome. It's powerful, but many times we forget the Word, and the Word is the primary thing that God has put in our life that gives the greatest amount of potential. Everything that God does in our lives and through us and through others for us is all based on the foundation of the Word of God. But let's get real. Most believers never crack it open outside of Sunday. Isn't it true? Most believers have half half a dozen Bibles in their house. They're all covered in dust. And that's what I believe the Lord was showing me In this, I believe that this year is the year of the Word, that we get back to the foundation, we go back to the beginning, to what this thing is all about. Everything we do is measured by the Word of God. Guys, it is the Word that brings us life. It is the Word that has the blueprints for our life. The Word is the instruction manual for our life. It's a standard by which everything is measured, I just thought of this. I thought, you know, trying to live the Christian life without the Word is like trying to build a house without plans or a tape measure. Really. Trying to live your life without the foundation of the Word of God is like trying to build a house without plans or a tape measure. And 2020 will be the year that Church of the Harvest engages the Word like never before. A recent study, actually, some of you may have seen this. This came out in a... um, in an email from Messenger International. And it said, A recent study conducted by the Center of Biblical Engagement reveals that when a person engages with Scripture at least four times a week, their lives shift in several big ways. Check this out. Firstly, feelings of loneliness drop by 30%. Anger issues drop by 32%. Bitterness in relationships drops by 40%. Those involved in the Word, at least four times a week, alcoholism drops by 57%. Feelings of spiritual, feeling spiritually stagnant drop 60%. Viewing a pornography drops 62%. Look at this. Sharing the gospel increased 200% for those who are in the Word at least four times a week. Discipling others increased 230% you guys see this? Do you see our vision caught up in this? Community, discipleship, and outreach? Sounds to me like what we're missing is the Word. The Word of God. Zach gave me this scripture the other day. From, and this is from the English Standard Version. I don't know what version you gave me. Psalm 107, verse 20. He sent out His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Now, let me point out something. When I first read this, when I first looked at it, I thought, oh, God did three things. He sent out his word, he healed them, he delivered them. Guys, he did one thing. He sent out his word. And that healed them. And that delivered them from their destruction. It's one thing. It's by the word. You got destruction in your life. Are there things that are causing destruction? Do you need healing? Sounds like he sent his word. All we've got to do is get into it. How many of you here would say that you would like to have a better understanding of the Bible? Well, a few. That's good. Most of us. The Bible, we know this, guys, but think about it. The Bible contains the very words of God. I've heard people say, well, God's just not speaking to me. I'm just not hearing his voice. The first thing I would say is get into the word. It's the first primary place that we receive the words of God. Get into the word of God. These words can give us the most amazing life ever. Let me show you how important it is. And if you've got a Bible, you can turn with us to Deuteronomy chapter 31. And we're going to read this again later. But I want you to look at how important this is. And this is from the very beginning. Who wrote the book of Deuteronomy? Moses did. So from the very beginning, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 9, it says, So Moses wrote down this law. What was the law Moses wrote? What books did he write? The first five. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So Moses wrote down this law, the books of the law. He wrote down the law and he gave it to the Levitical priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord and to the elders of Israel. Then Moses commanded them, At the end of every seven years in the year for canceling debts during the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose, you shall read this law before them in their hearing. So every seven years, it says, you will come together and you will hear the law read to you. Assemble the people the men, women, and children, and foreigners residing in your town so they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God and follow carefully all the words of his law. Their children who do not know this law must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land you are, cross, you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Get that? So every seven years, he said, every seven Understand, they didn't have a written Bible to Hand out. Not, they, they didn't have the law for each person to read. So they would make it clear, and every seven years they'd bring everybody together, and it says so that you would fear the Lord, and it said for their children who don't know the law. So some of you said you would like to have a better understanding of the word. How many of you would say you would like to have a better understanding of the word, but you find it challenging sometimes? Man, not many people want to raise their hands on that. I do sometimes, guys. Now, I will say that every time I crack open the Bible now, every time I do, I start and I pray and I say, Holy Spirit, speak to me through this. Show me what you want me to see. Use it. I believe that it's living and powerful. And just ask you to pierce me with it. Take me the direction you want me to go. But the Bible is sometimes difficult to understand. And so if you are in that position and you say the Bible is tough sometimes, you're not alone. And this year, part of the vision, part of what I see in this, is that we give you the tools to unlocking the Bible. How many of you would say it? that's okay? There's several reasons the Bible can be difficult to understand and follow, and that's what I'm going to spend the rest, most of the rest of this talking about, and we'll continue on next week. Um, but we're going to talk about that a little bit. Has anybody here ever visited the Louvre Museum? And a few of you have been to the Louvre. Louvre is an art museum in Paris. And you know, if you've ever been there, the Louvre is massive. It's unreal. You could spend two days and not see it all. And uh, it's, it's actually, it's overwhelming. And so you've got in the Louvre, you've got all these famous sculptures and paintings by Rembrandt and Van Gogh and Monet and all these different ones. But what would you say the most faming, famous painting in the Louvre is? The Mona Lisa. Who, who, who painted the Mona Lisa? Da Vinci, yeah. Anybody know how much the Mona Lisa is expected to be worth? $700 million. Yeah. So actually, throw that picture up of the Mona Lisa right quick, Aaron. There's a picture that I took of the Mona Lisa a number of years ago. Now, the Mona Lisa is in this room all by itself. And it's hard to even approach because everybody's gathered all up around it. But one of the first things you notice about the Mona Lisa, go ahead and hit the next picture. One of the first things you notice is the size of it. Now, I wish I could have gotten a picture next to that because you would have seen exactly uh, the size. Um, if I was standing there next, next to the glass, I, my head would hit about the top of the, uh, of the painting there. It is literally 20 by 30 inches. The Mona Lisa is not big. It's a very small painting, worth $700 million. So as you read about Mona Lisa, you find out that she was born on June 15, 1479. And this was during the Italian Renaissance. And she was married to this wealthy Florentine silk um, merchant who uh, he supposedly, the story is that he had the painting commissioned uh, for their home to celebrate the birth of their second son, Andrea. And so, anyway, there's the Mona Lisa. Any of you ever seen the Sistine Chapel? Any of you ever seen the Sistine Chapel on TV or seen the paintings of the Sistine Chapel? Go ahead and put up the first uh, thing there. Anybody know what... Oh, by the way, we made it PG for church. Um, um, How <laughs> many uh, you know what the painting is actually called? Sistine Chapel's the chapel. What's the painting called? Creation of Adam. Yeah, it's called the Creation of Adam. So the Creation of Adam, another one of the most famous paintings in the world that... Um, that Michelangelo painted with all the scaffolding, he paints the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. And we know this represents the, the strong finger of God uh, touching the, the lifeless limp finger of, of Adam and bringing, uh, and, and bringing life. Uh, both paintings actually, go ahead and, and hit, the, hit the next picture, Aaron. Both paintings are incredible and stunning. And here's the interesting thing. Da Vinci and Michelangelo painted these at the same time. So these are both going on at the same time. I'll bet one took a little longer than the other, could be wrong. Um, The Mona Lisa sits in a room all by itself. That room was renovated four or five years ago for about six million bucks. One room for a $700 million painting. It's isolated from all the other paintings, doesn't have any correlation or connection to any of the other paintings in the Louvre. but the creation of Adam in the Sistine Chapel, which let me mention, I did not take these pictures because uh, they don't allow pictures to be taken in the Sistine Chapel unless they are officially authorized to be taken. Um, but the creation of Adam is made up of over 300 characters. And it's a huge story, it's got everybody in it from Noah to Jacob to Moses, to David, to Abraham, to Ruth. It's got everybody in there. The Louvre is an art museum. The Sistine Chapel is a mural. Do you see the difference? The Sistine Chapel tells the story of redemption. So I'm going to give you a couple of things. You can follow along on the note sheet from your service guide. First point I want to make to you, the Word of God is a mural, and it tells a single story. The Word of God is a mural, and it tells a single story. And I'm going to go ahead and give you the second point on your note sheet there. The Bible doesn't read like a story, but once you see the story, it will change your life. So the Bible doesn't necessarily read like a story, but once you see that story, it'll change your life. Guys, I have always said my favorite book, besides the Bible, my favorite book, somebody's going to say it, the Bible, my favorite book since I was a middle schooler was To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, good one. I got one shout out on that. I love To Kill a Mockingbird. I've read it. I've read it a bunch of times actually realized as I was doing this that I lost my I couldn't find my copy. I've got the DVD, but my copy isn't there with it. And so I actually went the other day and bought a new copy of To Kill a Mockingbird. But those of you who how many of you have read to Kill a Mockingbird before? How many of you begrudgedly did it for school? <laughs> yeah it's awesome. <laughs> to Kill a Mockingbird is written by Harper Lee. She died just a few years ago. And um, it's a story And it reads like a story. It starts in the beginning, goes in chronological order from chapter 1 to chapter 31 about a man named Atticus Finch, an attorney, and about his kids, Scout and Jim. The Bible is also a story. But guys, it doesn't read from chapter 21 to chapter 31 like this book does. If you've read your Bibles... You know how the Bible is arranged. If you do know how the Bible is arranged, you know that it can sometimes be a little frustrating to, uh, to navigate your way around. So um, if you do have a Bible, if you have a Bible with you, turn to the table of contents. If you're using the Bible app, you can just hit. What we're going to do is look at the table of contents and look at the books. So I'll, I'll just hit the little thing there on your Bible app so that you can see the books of the Bible. And this is what we're going to talk about for a few minutes. Put the, uh, the Old Testament up on the screen for me. If you don't have a Bible, you can, you can look on the screen there. Old Testament. There we go. There are 39 books in the Old Testament. And this is how they are arranged. So we just accomplished the first five books of the Bible are called what? The law. Uh, known as the Torah. What does Torah mean? Law. <laughs> Torah means law. It's also sometimes called the Pentateuch. Anybody know what Pentateuch means? Or know what Penta means? It means five. So the first five books, as we mentioned, written by Moses, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. This is the law. Now, if you start in Genesis and you begin reading, it's in order. Chapter one and so on. You go into Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Leviticus gets a little more difficult in his reading. Numbers, as you're going through the law. But you get to Deuteronomy. And what do you find in Deuteronomy? In Deuteronomy, it feels like Moses is repeating himself. And you're like, is he writing something new? Or is he just repeating himself again? We saw that reading out of the, life, the Chronological Life Application Bible this year. You're going, wow, they're repeating, he's repeating this over and over again. Deuteronomy, if you actually look at it, the word, it's a compound word. Juder means second, nomos means law. So it actually means second law, but it's not referring to an additional law, it's referring to a repetition of the law. So it's a repeat of the law from Exodus, Leviticus and Numbers. Does this make sense? So that's good to know as you're reading and you get there to Deuteronomy that it's a repetition of of actually of Exodus, Leviticus and Numbers. The next 12 books are considered the books of history, the historical books. And that's from from Joshua to Esther, if you can see it on there. From Joshua to Esther, the the historical books, and they read pretty much in chronological order until you get to the book of 1 Kings. So 1 Kings begins with the life of Solomon. Y'all remember Solomon? Solomon. Solomon's reign, he was reigning over the United Nation of Israel. And um, we know that as you go into 1 Kings, it begins talking about his sin, his demise, and and the dividing of Israel into two weaker nations. What were those two nations called? Israel and Judah, right? So Israel was to the north, Judah was to the south. In In 2 Kings, it goes back and forth. Between the kings and prophets of the north and the kings and prophets of the south. So in Second Kings, the nation has been divided into two different kingdoms. And it's jumping back and forth and back and forth and back and forth between the two kingdoms. Gets a little confusing. You got to read it closely and figure out where they're at. Um, and that goes on all the way up to their, their destruction and exile. So then it also gets confusing because don't y'all love pr- pronouncing the biblical names? Jeroboam, Rehoboam, Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, all different people. Sounds the same. So you're reading on, and so then you get to 1 Chronicles. And you think after 2 Kings and 1 Chronicles, it's just going to truck on straight. Um, But in 2 Chronicles, it goes back to Solomon again. Starts talking about his story again. And then in 2 Chronicles, this time it leaves out the story of all the kings to the north that were mentioned in 2 Kings because they weren't part of the remnant that would bring forth Jesus. So is this making sense? Okay, so the next five books are the books of poetry. And that's from from, uh, Job to uh, Song of Songs. Now, Job, you see where it's at in book number 18. You think that's in order? They think Job was written during the life of Abraham. Anybody know what book that was? Genesis. So Job, in chronological order, actually would be at the book of Genesis. And we know that these books of poetry contain writings, um, much of it by David, much by Solomon, but there's even a psalm by Moses in there. So. Let me give you a quick example of how confusing this can be when you don't understand the order to the Bible. So in 2 Samuel verse 11, how many of you remember David and Bathsheba? David has this little affair, right? And he gets her pregnant and to try to cover it up, he ends up having her husband killed. What was his name? Uriah. Uriah. He has Uriah killed. So in the next chapter, David is confronted. What was the prophet's name that confronted him? It was Nathan. Nathan comes to David and confronts him of his sin. And, and so, what does David do? He confesses his sin. But how many of you know that his confession isn't written in 2 Samuel? It's written in Psalms 51. So, you've got in 2 Samuel, he commits his sin, he kills Uriah, Nathan confronts him, but he repents in Psalm chapter 51. It's great to know when you're reading, isn't it? And actually, I'll read you real quick what that says, just a piece of it. In Psalm 51, verses 1 and 2, it says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. This is David speaking after being confronted for his sin with Bathsheba. So, back to the books of the Old Testament, if you put that picture back up for me. The last 17 books of the Bible are the prophetic books. And we're talking about things that happened um, at the beginning of the Old Testament. So you, you have to learn how it all lines up. And do you guys think that the prophetic books are in order? No, they're really not. They're really not. The first five books, as you see there, are called the Major Prophets. Does anybody know why they're called the Major Prophets? Because they're long. <laughs> Seriously. The others are very short. The major prophets are long. So they put them in, their, in the order first. Um, the first major prophet um, that I was going to mention, I'm sorry, the last major prophet is Daniel. Now, Daniel's life took place during the southern kingdom, during their exile to Babylon. So... Say you read through Daniel and you go to the next prophet, which is Hosea, right? So you would think you would just read right on through to Hosea, who would be the first minor prophet. But in reality, Hosea takes place 145 years before the book of Daniel does. Y'all getting this? He's prophet, And not only that, Daniel is from the southern kingdom. Hosea is prophesying to the northern kingdom. And this was just before um, they were taken, overtaken by the Assyrians, the northern kingdom was. Is all this getting confusing? Yeah. Then I'm making my point. Good. <laughs> we haven't gotten to the New Testament yet. Ready for that? Throw up the New Testament for me, real quick. What are the first five books of the New Testament, uh, first four books of the New Testament called? The Gospels. The first four Gospels, so we've got Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they're all basically telling the story of Jesus' life, right? And they're fairly well in chronological order. Um, at least Matthew, Mark, and Luke are. John, everybody wonders, well, what happened to John? Because his order is all different than, than Matthew, Mark, and Luke's order. And um, actually what they believe, they believe that Luke actually, I'm sorry, John actually wrote For um, he wrote in topical order rather than historical order. Does this make sense? So all in all, they still tell the same story. So you've got those first four books that are about Jesus. And then secondly, you've got Acts. Acts is the one history book of the New Testament. And in here, we have the story from Jesus' ascension until about 63 AD, the story of the early church. And when this book comes to an end... You figure you would just go on reading into Romans in chronological order, but the book of Romans is different. Why? Because you've got those next several books of the Bible. The next 21 are actually letters. Uh, Many times they're called the epistles, uh, which just means letters. So logically you would think that Romans picks up where Acts takes off, but it actually doesn't. Romans is a letter to the church of Rome and is not a history book. It's the first of the 21 books written to either churches or to individuals that we find there. And they are not in chronological order. Anybody know how the, how the letters, how they're organized? They're organized by author. Makes sense, right? So that first, the first set are the letters by Paul. And then you've got those that fall in line next. And... Um, then you've got, uh, you got Hebrews in there right in the middle. And we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. But then you've got James, Peter, uh, John, and Jude who wrote the rest of the letters of the, of the New Testament. And then to conclude the New Testament, you have one book of prophecy, which we know is the book of Revelation. And actually, anybody know what the first two New Testament books to be written were? They're pretty sure of this. They believe it was James and Galatians were the first books to be written. It doesn't necessarily mean that in chronological order, it just means in the order that they were written, that James and uh, Galatians were written first. Could all this be one of the struggles that people have when they're reading the Bible? Of course it could, yeah. This could be one of the reasons that people struggle to read it. It'd be kind of like if I took this book and I ripped ripped it out by chapter, 31 chapters, and I mixed them all up in a different order, and I said, now read it and try and get the story from it be a little difficult wouldn't it? But the thing is God wants us to read the Bible and he wants us to understand the one story that he's been writing since the beginning of time because it's your story. And once you know the story it'll change your life. So this year guys this year is going to be the year of the Bible. I want everybody to read the Bible and look I've done it too. I'm not talking about listening to sermons or watching podcasts. Those things are great. But I'm talking about digging into the Word of God for yourself. I'm not talking about watching a Christian TV show. I'm not talking about listening to some preacher. I'm talking about you individually digging into the Word of God for yourself. And I know it can be overwhelming Um, especially for those who have never read it before because, you know, we can't just come and hand you a book that's thousands of pages long and say, here, read this. Most people are going to go, that book is long (laughs) and it's complex and it's out of order. and I don't understand. And so what do people end up doing? They end up just listening to sermons. They end up just going to church and feeling like that's enough. As I said, many of us read, 40 some of us read the Life Application Study Bible in chronological order this year. Guys, it's long. Spend 30 minutes to an hour a day just with just with the reading, you know, from the Bible. It's long. Earlier this year, I was praying because I recognized that I couldn't hand everybody in the church a life application Bible and say, let's read this. Not everybody has an hour a day to put in to reading the Word. And so I began thinking about this and digging in and saying, Lord, what would you have us do? Because I've been, since the beginning of last year, feeling like we needed to dig back into the Word of God. And so... Um, Earlier earlier this year, I was introduced to a book, and I'm meant to bring a copy up here with me. You mind grabbing one for me? Ah, there's one right there. Thank you, sir. I was introduced to a book, a book called The Story. How many of you have seen this? We've got it out in the lobby, and uh, it is available today for purchase. You can get them online uh, as well. You can get them from Amazon or wherever. It's going to be cheaper From us here than just from Amazon. We bought a bunch in bulk. But um, this was, um, the story is by Zondervan Books. It's uh, contributed to by um, Max Licato and Randy Frazee, if you're familiar with them. And what they did was they put the entire Bible together. This is the New International Version. It's the entire Bible, every major story and every major theme of the Bible in 31 chapters. And um, my brother was telling me about it. His church just, 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 Actually, they're still going through it together. But what we've talked about today is what the story is all about. It's meant to unravel the one story of the Bible. And the subtitle of it is, The Bible is One Continuing Story of God and His People. It is in chronological order, um, according to as we've been talking about today. It is an abridged chronology of the Bible. It is not meant to replace the Bible. But here's my hope. My hope is that this year that we will go through the story together. And for 31 different weeks this year, we're going to cover the entire Bible from beginning to end. Every major theme, every major story in the Bible. And what I'm believing for is that it's going to reawaken a hunger for the Word of God within God's people. Amen. It's too much. I, I recognize it was too much to hand that life application Bible. But guys, I believe we can start here. Each chapter is approximately 8 to eight to 15 pages long. And the print is pretty large. Uh, like I say, it's straight from the New International Version. Um, it jumps from one point to another. There's a narrator. And you'll see small spots in there where there's a narrator speaking. And so instead of speaking of all these different kings of Israel during a short period of time that were evil and all these different things, The narrator will come in and say, during the next season of the nation of Israel, um, many of the kings were evil and led the people astray. And then it takes you to the next next major theme. So we're going to dig in. This is what it's all about, to unravel some of you for the first time going into the Bible. Like I say, it's not meant to replace the Bible, but it's meant to develop a hunger. And it does move around. It does read like a novel. It is in order. And it does other things. For instance, it will go straight from Second Samuel chapter 12, where David is confronted for his sin with Bathsheba, and then it straight into to Psalm chapter 51, and it gives his, his prayer of repentance immediately following. You following me? So today I've started... This is the beginning of a five-week introduction, a five-week introduction to the story. And as I said, these books can be purchased. They can be purchased out there for uh, for $10, and you can get them from Christian booksellers. You can get them from Amazon, wherever you want to, uh, but we can get them for you as well. And we'll sell what we've got out there, and if we have more people that want to buy, um, then we'll do that. But we're going to we're going to give you a calendar in a couple of weeks on of 31 Sundays next year that we're going to cover different parts of the Bible. And the idea is that you will dig in that week before, and you will read that part, and we will all come in together, and we will study directly from the Word of God. Amen? There's also children's books and youth books so that you can dig in as a family and get your children involved. How many of you were here for our Christmas service last week? Last week you saw as we read the Christmas story, we read from the storybook for children. That's what you were looking at. And it has it for different ages, And you'll see those out there as well. There's also one for students. Um, Our children's department on Sunday mornings, they will be following with us on the exact same week. So when you leave church on Sunday and you do like you do with your kids many times, you say, what did you learn today? And they're like, "Mm." no, what did you learn? Jesus. You're going to already know. You're going to already know what they learned in the children's department. And hopefully you will have already read it with them during the week. And so on the way home, you're going to truly be able to have a discussion. As you sit around lunch on Sunday, you're going to truly be able to have a discussion about what you read this week, about what was preached about on Sunday morning, about what they learned about in children's class, or the youth learned about in the youth group. And you're going to be able to, as a family, pursue the Word of God together at the same time. You catching it? Let's look back one more time at Deuteronomy chapter 31. Let's look at it again. So Moses wrote down this law. He gave it to the Levitical priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and to all the elders of Israel. And then Moses commanded them at the end of every seven years, in the year for canceling debts, during the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, you shall read this law before them in their hearing. Guys, we need to be reading the Bible before our children in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women, children, and foreigners residing in your town so that they can listen and learn, learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully follow all the words of the law. Their, the, their children who do not know the law must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Guys, every seven years, they would get together, men, women, children, even the outsiders, the foreigners, they would all come together during the Feast of Tabernacles and they would hear the law read to them. As we don't have to do that anymore. They didn't have the Bible. You've got it. You can do it every day. You can see those stats applied to your life because you've made the choice to write the law of the Lord on your own heart. And why? They didn't just do this so that they'd get smarter. They did it so they would live by the law of God, so that they would truly live the story. As I said, uh, Max Licato and Randy Frazee collaborated on this book, And um, referring to that, what we just read in Deuteronomy chapter 31, that phrase when he said, he said, is um, that's used to fear God. He said, it simply means that you need to know the story God is writing so that you can see what he's up to and that you'll be compelled to take him more seriously with your life. How many of you would say we need to take God even more seriously with our life, where he's going and what he's doing, because I want to be on board with him. This was a huge concern for Moses, making sure the next generation understood the story. We've got to do the same. Moses knew that they were only one generation away from losing their identity and going back into captivity. Let me say this too. If it bothers you, the fact that for 31 Sundays next year, we're going to cover the Bible from beginning to end. That confirms to me again that we're doing the right thing. Guys, the Bible has got to be of utmost importance in our lives. It's got to be the major thing. It's the foundation of everything that we do in the Christian life. It's of paramount importance. Every word of the Lord that you receive, it's measured by this standard. Some of, that's why I've known people who've gotten words from the Lord for somebody and it's almost ruined their life because it was a bad word. It wasn't from God. And they took it as a word from the Lord because it was somebody they trusted, but they didn't see if it lined up with the Word. They didn't know enough of the Word to know whether or not this was truly the Lord speaking to them. And so they almost drove their life into the ground. Guys, we should have the Word so within us that nobody can lead us astray like that. You may have read the Bible 75 times from cover to cover, but guys, if you come into this with the right heart expecting the Lord to speak to you, he will. You can get a fresh revelation of things that you have never, ever seen before. People, people outside the church don't get it. They'll think, how in the world can the church be reading the same book for 2,000 years? Do you really get anything new out of it? Yes. You can get some, it's, it is alive. You can get something new out of it every single day. Jesus said, the word of God... Is like a seed planted in the soil of our hearts. The seed falls on hard soil. It doesn't grow. It falls on soft soil and is planted. It produces fruit. Fruit comes forth. The deciding factor is whether or not the story will be, the deciding factor in whether or not it will be a good experience for you is the condition of your heart and where you're at in that. February 2nd will be our first Sunday digging into the story. And I would ask you guys, look, we're not making any money. You can go buy it yourself if you're concerned about that. Buy it on Amazon.com. You'll find it on there. It'll cost you about five bucks more, but you can get it on there. You can get, what's that? Eight dollars more. more. Okay. Um, we ask you, get this book. They're out there and available today. There's a student version for teenagers that's available today. There are children's books for a couple, two or three different age ranges of children's books available out there. There is a study guide. There is a devotional. We ask you to begin getting those. You've got five weeks to get those. And then we're going to begin following following along together. February 2nd, we'll be digging into the story. And we're going to spend the next few weeks uh, from today, we're going to spend it praying and fasting and seeing what God is going to do through your life and through this church family. We're believing for God's 2020 vision, personally and corporately. Amen? Let's stand up together. Let me get the worship team to come up as we close. Let's bow our heads together right quick. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, you didn't leave us high and dry to live this life in this fallen world, but Lord, you have given us your life as a solid rock. It's our foundation. And we thank you for it, Lord. Too many times we've taken it for granted, but we choose that your word is going to be of paramount importance and we're going to jump into it like never before for the year 2020, that we will truly have 2020 vision for our lives, know exactly where you're going and what you're doing, that we can truly be step in step with you. With every head bowed, if you're here, and first and foremost, you would say that your life isn't even surrendered to Jesus. You've, maybe you've read the Bible, maybe you hadn't but you recognize the condition of your heart today and you would say, you know what? My life isn't what it should be. I've been trying to live this life in my own strength. I've tried to do things in my own way for far too long. Guys, we don't want to let this moment pass. If that's you and you're here and you would say, I've got to make a change. I need to surrender my life to Jesus today. I want you to lift your hand. I want you to do it boldly who would say i need to surrender my life i need to make things right guys it doesn't matter if you've prayed a prayer before or not anybody in this place we're going to pray together whether you raise your hand whether you didn't whether you're watching online or whether you're watching a year from now online you can pray this prayer along with us and the bible says when you do that you if you mean it with all your heart if you truly repent that you become a new creation the old passes away and all things become new. Doesn't mean that all your problems are gone, but it means that now you've got the Creator of the universe walking hand in hand with you. You're gonna stumble sometimes, but He's gonna be right there holding you up. It also means that when you take your final breath and you pass into eternity, you're gonna find yourself in the presence of the Lord. Let's pray together, Heavenly Father. I thank you for sending Jesus. I am a lost and alone. I've tried to do things in my own strength for far too long. I thought I knew it all, but I've failed miserably. Today, I put my faith in Jesus. Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. You are the son of the living God. You came in my place. You lived my life. You died my death. You took my judgment. You took my sin, guilt, and shame. And you took it to the grave. But you didn't stay there. On the third day, death couldn't hold you any longer. And you rose. And you're alive today. And I choose to follow you. I call you Lord of my life. I won't look to the left or to the right. I'm following after you. Holy Spirit, fill me now. Empower me to be everything you've called me to be. I will follow you to the end, all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone At 662 890 1573 or toll free at 866 383 8277.